Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome Success Secret Nation to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. In this episode, I have with me Brendan Libowitz. He runs and operates SEO optimizers since 2007. They are a digital marketing company that focuses on helping businesses and small, medium-sized businesses get more online traffic, which in turn convert into clients, sales, and leads, of course. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on today. Awesome to have you here. So SEO, it's 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 a big topic. It's a big topic. Like a lot of people argue about a lot of things that what work, what might work, what used to work, what's working now. Uh, let's get into it. How important is SEO to any business? Should there be a focus on SEO? Uh, SEO is a way to get free traffic. So if you have a website, probably want people going to the website and SEO is a way to get free traffic. Especially if you're doing paid ads, I would say do SEO. Paid ads are good for the short term, but long term, SEO is going to get you traffic indefinitely. So it just depends on your goal. But most businesses, I would say, should be online unless you invented something and nobody's searching for it. So you invent some new product, no one's searching for it. Then you kind of got to drive awareness and drive search other ways because if people aren't searching, it's going to be tough. But in general, you usually should be online because if not, your competitors are online taking that traffic away from you. Yeah, exactly. But as we know, like SEO, especially for websites that, for example, starting out, if someone registered a website today and they want to rank on Google, basically when we see we are talking about SEO, we're mainly a lot of people talking about Google, like but we also have Bing and other search engines. But the big marketplace share market share is on Google, right? So how these new websites should look at SEO. What kind of approach should they do? What kind of posts or article articles should they write? Like we hear a lot of things about me personally. I have a lot of things that what I call corner store articles, which are these big articles that have like more than 5,000 words on my side. And there are the what they call the uh, long term, long tail articles or posts or keywords so what is the best approach now for uh, looking at seo Um, in terms of content on the website you want to write for the user you don't want to just write for search engines you got to figure out what you're writing about if someone's searching like how to add two plus two i don't need to write five thousand words but if someone's searching like how to change my car engine something like that then you could probably write like five thousand words but it's all about intent and writing for the user 
And the best way to figure out how many words to write is really just search on Google for your keywords. See who's on that first page of Google and kind of open up all those websites that are on the first page of Google, not the ads, but the organic, the free listings, and see how much text they have. And if everyone's writing about 800 words, then you should probably write 850 words, maybe do like a little bit more. But if you see everyone's writing 200 words, then probably only need to write 250 words. So it's not really one size fits all with SEO. It really comes down to your competitors. What are they doing? Because we're not trying to be Google. I mean, it'd be great if we could, but Google changes every <laughs> single day. And what matters is who's on that first page of Google, how much SEO have they done, and how can we do a better job of it? Because the, you see a lot of uh, different in uh, impressions. Like if you are on the on the if you are the first result, it's like I get it gets like about 60-70% of the clicks in general. The second place, like a lot less. So there's a huge difference between the first result and the second, third, and from the fourth until the tenth results. So imagine if you are on the second page, you're probably not getting that much traffic. And this is things that I have seen on my own website. If there is some some pages that, from what I am tracking on the first page, it's it's let's say it's fine. But if they are on the second page and beyond, it's like it's like. Uh, Zombie land, I guess. So, so. Mm-hmm. that's the best yeah. place to. They always yeah, say if you yeah. want to hide a dead body, just throw it on page two of Google because yeah. not many people will go there unless they're searching for like something really, really specific. But in general, yeah, or, or we're doing some kind of maybe deep research or these kind of things. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, what are the best strategies to to start with? How do we find the best kind of articles? How do we find the best kind of articles for the people who are, wants to read these posts? Well, what's the approach? What the let's say the search mechanism for writing these kind of content? Well, we got to do keyword research, try to figure out what keywords people actually are searching for. So there's different tools like the Google Keyword Planner. It's a free tool from Google that will show you how many people will actually search for a keyword every single month. So you could have a list of a bunch of keywords, or you could have just one or two keywords and throw them into the Google Keyword Planner. And they'll show you hundreds, sometimes thousands of other keywords related to it that, and I'll show you the search volume so you can see which ones seem like good keywords. And the best thing to do is not just pick a keyword that has high search volume because those are probably going to be competitive. And if you do see a good keyword, though, I would always take it and search it in Google and see who shows up on that first page of Google. And if there's a bunch of big corporations and like big, big websites, and if you're just like a small mom and pop startup, then I'd maybe say maybe not the best keyword. But if you search it on Google and it's a bunch of small or medium-sized businesses and you're a small or medium-sized business, then I'd say, all right, that looks a lot better. But got to do the gear research, figure out what keywords people actually search for. Do more of what you said, like long tail keywords, mm-hmm. keywords that are two or more words. Less people are going to be using those keywords, but the people that use those keywords actually have intent behind that keyword search. So the buyer intent, which ultimately mm-hmm. is what matters, getting traffic just to get traffic doesn't really do much. You want people that are targeted, that are actually lower in the funnel where they're actually ready to make a purchase. And those would be the long tail keywords, keywords that are two or more words like three, four, five-word keywords. Not as many people are searching it, but the people searching it have more intent behind that search. And so, so you mentioned like, in for, for, for example, if someone uses the Google uh, Keyword Planner, uh, it gives you, for example, certain uh, volume for the searches. Now, we know that could be, it's not that accurate, but it gives some indication to the volume that you might get. 
But what is the number that you should be looking at? Like, for example, if, if it gives you like zero, zero volume, should I write something about that article, do you think? Because we're taking, talking here also about long tail keywords, which usually gets lower search volumes, but at the same time, less competition for it. So how do you approach this uh, case, for example? No, I would still do zero search keywords because half the searches nowadays on Google are brand new searches. So mm. because of voice search, I mean, that's the main thing or misspellings, but voice search where people are just speaking to their phone. So in the past, you have your computer, you type it in, but now you just speak. And like, so if you're looking for a restaurant in the past, you just type in Google restaurant near me or best restaurant. But if you have your phone, you can say, where can I find the best restaurant in Los Angeles? It's a whole different type of search. It's understanding the human language phrases, like all that stuff into it. So it's going to be a lot different. So, and in general, when I do use the keyword planner, I'll see keywords that have zero searches. I'm like, pretty sure there's more than zero searches because I search for that keyword a couple of times a month. And so, yeah, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Google's mm -hmm. not really there to help you do SEO. They're there to help you spend money on paid ads. So yeah, exactly. yeah that's all they care about. Yeah. So are there, for example, other, let's say, parts or metrics that when I want to write this content for the audience that I want to serve other than the volume for the monthly search, for example, yeah, no, I would search in Google for those keywords. Again, just like take a keyword that you want to rank for, search it in Google, and look at this people also ask section. So the people also ask section shows a bunch of questions or that people commonly ask on Google. These are high search volume questions. And if you take these questions and write a blog post about them or just take those questions and incorporate them into a blog post, and answer those questions. You could show up in that people also ask section, but also a lot of people search for that. So these are all good topics that if you're ever stuck on what to write about, throw that in there. I mean, it's tough sometimes to try to think of like topics, but you could do that. You could also scroll to the very bottom of Google and it shows searches related to. These are all high search volume mm -hmm. keywords again that potentially could be good keywords or good blog post topics that you could use to figure out what type of topics to write about because you want to find high search volume content or keywords. And this is a quick way to do it without even needing to do any keyword research or use any tools is just search Google and also look at your competitors. You could see what topics they've written about in the past and using some tools like Ahrefs or Moz or SEMrush, you have to pay for these tools, but mm. you kind of guesstimate how much traffic their pages get. So you can see which blog posts get the most traffic and they wrote a really good topic. Maybe you should write a similar topic and try to do a better job of it. And then Hopefully, he gets some of that traffic as well. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned like paid tools like Ahrefs. I some I sometimes use Ahrefs. It, it it's good and it's bad because <laughs> it, uh, there are certain metrics that are provided from their end that are of course not provided by Google itself, for example, right? But do you think in general using Ahrefs because you know there is some kind of a tools that you can filter by keyword difficulty and these kind of things. Do you think this metric and these kind of tools like Ahrefs and Moz and these kind of things is very good and relevant? Like, for example, it gives you like five, five, uh, key, key, the number five for keyword difficulty. It gives you next to it, like, for example, it needs like about three to four links back to your website because we know SEO grows. It does not, uh, website does not rank unless you have 
like bank links going back to your website, right? So this is the important thing about SEO. So do you think this is something that a good indicator that, for example, a new website should look at and will give them a boost, whether it's to get a faster search engine uh, results to their websites and traffic, and at the same time, that can help them get more backlinks because and it's an easier keyword to rank for. I mean, I always trust third-party site. I mean, they're pulling their data from the Google Keyword Planner, so mm-hmm. that's where they're getting all the data from for the keyword research. But those tools are definitely good, especially for backlinks. That's what the tools were really made for, looking at your competitors' backlinks. But they've just added so many features over the years because they're just trying to compete with other tools, saying, hey, we'll let you check backlinks. We'll do keyword research. You could track what position you're in. You could do all these things now. So it's like 10 tools in one. So it also makes it more valuable or more expensive too, yeah. but they definitely, definitely help out. And a lot of these tools, but you just pick one. You don't need to buy all of them. You just pick Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush, just one of those three tools or there's other tools out there, but those are kind of the bigger ones. Just pick one of those and stick with that. And it's going to really help you do competitive analysis. Look at your mm-hmm. competitors, backlinks, especially backlinks and mm-hmm. keyword research and other things like that. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of backlinks, because in order for a, a domain authority to grow, like we need more backlinks into our homepage to the articles or posts that we put in our website. So what do you do with your clients and you personally to increase the number of backlinks to your website? Like one of the things is to actually write the content and these content should be good content, content and people want to read them, right? But how to actually... If like, for example, if someone is not searching for these kind of things and uh, what I mean is like if your content is good, but nobody is going uh, at it from Google, if someone sees your Google Analytics, how can you get more links to certain pages? Yeah, there's a ton of different ways to build backlinks, but it's all about quality, not quantity. So you got to make sure you build good quality backlinks. And what's a quality backlink to Google? It just means a website that's related to you and authoritativeness. So the more related it is to your industry, the better. And the more authoritative, the bigger the website is, the more power it's going to bring. So like a backlink from the New York Times is going to be better than a backlink from my website. My website is good, but it's not the same as like New York Times or LA Times or Entrepreneur and stuff like that. So when you're building backlinks, I like to look at my competitors first, kind of go into Google, search for your keywords, see who's on that first page of Google for your keywords. And throw all those websites, the ones that are ranked organically, not the paid ads, but the organic results, throw them into those tools like Ahrefs or Moz or SEMrush. And you can see all of your competitors' backlinks. And if they're on that first page of Google, it's more unlikely those backlinks are having a big impact on it. So if you look at their backlinks and then one by one, pick out the ones that are relevant and authoritative, that would be the best way to start it off. You're not going to be able to get all your competitors' backlinks. So then you got to start building new ones. And there's tons of other strategies. Like you could look for where people mention your company name, but don't link to you. So that happens mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So you could do that you could start doing sponsored events. If you're a local business, you could get in like the Better Business Bureau or like a Chamber of Commerce. Or, I mean, you really just got to look at your competitors and you're going to get tons of ideas from them, but then you got to put your own spin on it. You just can't copy everything verbatim. But if you see your competitor got an article on Forbes, you could see like who wrote that article. What is this article about? If it's like a top 10 list of competitors, and your competitors in there, 
and you're not in there, you might look through that list and maybe one of those competitors went out of business and you could reach out to that writer and tell them, hey, like, you have this article, one of these companies went out of business, I do a similar service or product and would you be able to include me in here? But it's all about getting creative and trying to just figure out how you could start kind of building similar ones that your competitors have. Yeah, so do you think like when I started personally back in 2000, the, my website, the, my current successsecret.net uh, in 2017. So I started to email people called, called emailing them about uh, that they should link to back to my website. Do you think that is a good strategy to get backlinks? Uh, or do you think there, there are faster ways to get backlinks, like you mentioned now? Because, for example, creating content online, like sharing on social media and these kind of things. No, I mean, I still reach out to websites, like you said, but I'm not just asking them for a backlink. You have to offer some value. So either I'm going to give them like a free blog post or do a podcast interview, maybe sometimes is another way to get backlinks. There's tons of different ways, but... You want to get on related sites. So ways to get on related sites is you kind of cold email websites that are related to you, targeted sites, and start building relationships with these websites, not just spamming them, but like trying to actually offer value because I get 20, maybe 30 emails a day of people just spamming me saying, we want to read or we want to post on your blog. And they're coming from like a casino. And I'm just like, this makes no sense. Like, can't do this or they'll send me an article and it's just gibberish and it doesn't even read properly. I'm just like, no, can't do this. So as long as you're offering quality stuff, then people will be somewhat receptive to it. It's still a lot of time and effort, but you kind of got to do some push. Like you're just hoping that people are going to link to you because you wrote an amazing article. Sometimes it happens, but usually you got to give a little nudge to people like, Hey, look, I wrote this article. Do you think it's valuable? If so, can you include it or, or post about it on your website or link to it or, how we could get them to just share. Exactly. So so now what is the best, for example, best way to optimize a website for conversion? Like we know that uh, now a certain website gets certain traffic from Google by search engines, right? So how do you approach this visitor, this traffic? How do you convert them into a lead, into a sale that actually this is the end goal for any website, I assume online, right? Yep. So it's a lot of like A-B testing. So testing out the website and seeing what works, what doesn't work because there is no perfect website. And like, for example, if we go to Amazon, we both go to Amazon, it's going to be slightly different because they're testing to see what gets the most conversions. They might move the add to cart button up a pixel. Most people are never going to see it, but Amazon's able to see maybe that pixel moving it up a little bit has a big impact on conversions. And so it's constantly testing things out, changing colors. But most important thing is whatever you see on a screen is called above the fold. Mm. And then once you start scrolling, it's called below the fold. And then 70% of people never scroll down on the website. It's kind of strange that people don't, if you don't see what you're looking for on that screen, you already lost over half the traffic. Like if you have to add a cart button, if it's below the fold, half the people over half your traffic's never going to see that. So you got to make it really easy. You have your call to action above the fold, whether it's a form, a phone number, an email address, whatever it is needs to be above the fold. Maybe have some bullet points or have a video there, something where it's kind of easy for people to skim through and read it because attention spans are really short. So you got to just make sure you convey your message really quickly at the top. 
lower on, down, you could explain like all the features and details, but the top you just got the highlights, like the benefits, like what's in it for me? What am I going to get from using your product or service? Because people are ultimately selfish and want to know what's in it for me. What am I going to get from using your product? Like they don't care how long you've been in business, all this stuff. Like if you've been around for 20 years and won all these awards, that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for a solution to a problem. And exactly. hopefully you have that answer. Exactly. This is this is the, the main thing. This is you have to look at things from the the client or the visitor perspective. So, like you mentioned, each website should look at things what they at their goal and see. For example, if I want to have people visiting my website to schedule, for example, a call with me on Zoom via Zoom. So this button or this action uh, should be very clear someplace in the middle of the website or someplace in the right upper side of the website, right? This is the focus should be. Yeah, well, anywhere. Well, yeah, that's where you'd want to test. I want to have it top right, maybe the top middle or maybe top right and the middle, have it a couple places, but got to make sure it's above the fold. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing is if it's below that fold and people have to scroll down, you've lost over half your traffic, which is crazy, but people don't scroll and swipe too on mobile. So, and with mobile too, you probably want to cut down on the website, make it a trimmed down version of your desktop version because desktop has a lot more space than mobile. So you might want to just have the really important stuff on the mobile and the desktop could have everything on it. Yeah. So do you think that, for example, certain details and elements like the color of the website, the color of buttons, the color of the text has uh, something to do with the conversion rate or these kind of things to improve the visitor experience, or this is something that's not really relevant? No, it definitely does. I mean, colors impact people psychologically, like depending on colors is a whole color wheel and it shows like red is like urgency, blue is calming, like it shows you what all the colors mean. So it just depends like what type of business, like how you want to do it. But if you look at all the big corporations and look at their colors and see what they mean, it kind of aligns with their brands. It's like mm. whole foods, green is like earthy. It's all about natural nature. So it's all about trying to just find a color, but testing too, but finding a color that you think is good for your audience and then trying to figure out, all right, like should I use dark green? Like if you're going for green, dark green, light green, there's so many different types of green or colors nowadays that kind of infinite. So if you do find a color that you like, like if you're like, all right, our brand is blue and yellow, you can test out a little bit darker blue, a little bit lighter yellow, and just play around with them and keep testing because mm. there is no perfect website. Amazon is still testing every single day. That's why they're able to get such high conversions because they really see what works by testing and testing and always testing. Yeah, exactly. So is, is there, for example, some kind of a tools to know where people are clicking on our website and how important is that, do you think? Uh, it's important to check that stuff out. So there's like tools that will track like heat maps and where people click. So there's like Google Analytics that shows you how much traffic you're getting, which I recommend everyone use Google Analytics and Google Search Console, both free tools that will really help out, but they don't show you like how people scroll how people click. So there's other pay tools that you could use. I think one is called like Lucky Orange. It's like $10 a month and I'll track heat strokes and clicks and show you a lot of information. But yeah, that stuff does help out a lot. The more you know about your audience, the more data you're able to get, the more you're able to optimize and really get more conversions.
Yeah, exactly. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, Google Search Council? Because from I'm not a big expert on SEO, but uh, I know, for example, that Google Analytics, you can track your visitors where they are from, what they are using, what pages they visited. But what does the the, the council do? Yeah, so Google Analytics, like you said, tracks everything you want to know about your traffic, all the data about where your traffic is coming from, how they behave on your website, what pages they visit, where they, what country they're from, what language they speak, what browser they're on. Tells you a ton of information. It's like data overload and it's free. So I recommend install Google Analytics sooner than later because you have to install a tracking code. And it's not going to show you any data until you install that code. So if you wait next month and install Google Analytics, you're not going to get any of this past month's data. It's all going to be gone. So install it sooner than later. And once you install Google Analytics, there's another free tool. It's called Google Search Console. And you don't need to put another tracking code on. If you already installed Google Analytics, it's already going to sync up. And it will be good to go. And Google Search Console just shows you everything you want to know about SEO. So it shows you what keywords you rank for. Well, they'll show you like the top thousand. They'll show you what backlinks Google's found. They'll show you if you've been penalized. They'll show you like how your website loads, the speed, if it's mobile friendly, if there's errors. They'll show you a lot of technical kind of SEO stuff in there. So it helps out a lot for SEO. It's really a good tool. And then Bing has Bing Webmaster Tools, which is same thing as Google's, but for Bing, and it's another free one and definitely good to look at both of them and get some insights about what keywords are ranking you for. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a lot of people ignore Bing, but because it's, I don't know, because people don't say go Bing it. So. <laughs> no, no, Google, no Bing in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think Microsoft is try, trying and tried a lot with Yahoo together. I think Yahoo and Bing are now basically the same search engine, right? They show maybe the same. I don't know if they show the same results, but from what I know, they are like uh, together now as a search engine. Uh, I don't yeah. know how this information is accurate. Yeah, no, yeah. So when you search on Yahoo, it's not Yahoo anymore. It's actually Bing that powers Yahoo. So Yahoo still is a website, but they're no longer a search engine. So Bing powers Yahoo. But yeah, most people don't really know that. And when I look in Google Analytics or like other tracking tools, looking at websites and clients over the years, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of websites, Google brings in just like 20 to like 80% of the traffic. Bing will bring about 1%. Yahoo will bring about 1%. DuckDuckGo might bring like half a percent. And this is me looking at like thousands. And then the rest of it's going to come from like social media or email marketing or people typing their website directly in. But Google just dominates. It's kind of crazy, yeah. but yeah. it's different for every industry. I would check and every country might be different, but in yeah. general, just Google brings in so much traffic. It's yeah. crazy. But you, you mentioned DuckDuckGo. So so the, the, this website, this search engine, first of all, it's a really weird name. <laughs> Second of all, uh, uh, I sometimes use them, you know, but... Uh, uh, what they are promoting like about privacy for the user so this is also an important thing for any any person who's visiting a certain website right it's about privacy for the for the people who are visiting certain website so do you think like for example this kind of search engine will have growth in the future or do you think for example it's uh it's not relevant because is google is so huge that nobody can take more shares in the market of uh, engine search engine 
Yeah, I don't know that that one is a tough one. I don't know. Microsoft has been trying. Yahoo, they've all failed. So, I mean, we'll see if DuckDuckGo could do it because they're privacy-oriented, but... I mean, personally, I'm, I'm asking this because, like, we know that Google is based making a lot of their money from Google ads and YouTube ads. So talking about privacy means that basically either there is no ads or like it will be some kind of a strict ads platform for them if they want to do it. So so that's going to be tough. So Google based on getting more information from people. So there is no like 100% free privacy. So it's tough for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, how are they going to do it? Because they got to make money somehow. And if they're not making money, then yeah, what are they going to be doing? Or eventually, someone's going to buy them out and then run some ads and take all the data and yeah, yeah, more exactly. private. Yeah. Can you, for example, tell us something that would be we would be surprised to know about you? Oh, I love skateboarding. So always was my passion growing up and. Made a little skateboard company a couple of years ago. So trying to, or realized over the years, you got to follow your passion and helped out a bunch of companies over the years with their marketing. I was like, maybe I should follow my passion and made a skateboard company. So trying to get that going and we'll see what happens. It's kind of like on the back burner where I'm spending a little bit of time like on it. As long as I can break even, I'll be happy. So that's the main thing. Something that we I have missed in uh, going at or asking you about that is very important about the CEO. I would just say it takes time. It's not immediate. So got to be patient. And it's not just it's going to take six months or however long. It just depends on the competition, how much SEO your competitors have done versus you. The more competitive those keywords are, the more time it's going to take. And if you're a brand new website, it's going to take even longer than a more established, older website. So the older your website is, the better off you're going to be. And if you're thinking about starting a website, I'd say just buy your domain name right now. The longer you have that domain name, it just ages it and it gets a little bit of trust. It doesn't help that much anymore, but still any little thing to give you a little competitive advantage is going to help out with SEO nowadays. Yeah. So, so the, the old, the, the age of the domain is not that much important. It used, I guess, maybe used to be important, but now it's like we mentioned earlier, it's about the experience that you deliver to visitors to your website and how much value that you are bringing to them. This is the main focus of the search engine optimization right now. It's It should be about the people who are looking for this kind of searches that they are looking for. Are, is it serving them or not, right? Yep, God, do everything for people. Don't worry about Google. Google yeah. will find you, figure it all out, but you got to do <laughs> everything. Write content, build backlinks for people, not for Google anymore. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Brendan, uh, where can people get in touch with you so they learn more about you and your business and how you can help them out with the CEO? Yeah, so I actually created a special gift for everybody. If they go to my website at seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. And they can find that gift there. And they can also see my contact information and a bunch of classes I've done over the years. I've thrown up for free. So if they want to see how to do a lot of stuff step-by-step. They can see all that and watch those classes for free. And also if they want a website analysis, I'm happy to give them a free website analysis from an SEO point of view and let them know what's working or what's not working and how to get them to the level that they want to be at. And they could book some time on my calendar for free there as well. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Brendan, for being here today with me on this episode. Very valuable content, very valuable uh, stuff that we learned about here as, as SEO. So thank you and thank you for the people who are watching or listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.